Welcome to Illuminate, a podcast to help you find your way through the light of God's Word. I'm Shelly Hitz, and I'm here with my husband, CJ. Hey, guys. And today we're going to talk about some familiar stories just around Peter and both, um, you know, just the initial calling of his life into ministry, but then also the um, the second really calling, you know, where, where Jesus is asking him to follow him. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this uh, episode is affectionately uh titled Gone Fishing. And, you know, I uh, I know uh, Shelly has uh, a fishing story. I'm going to let her share, um, you know, of her uh, growing up and fishing in a stocked pond. And uh, I'm going to actually share just something briefly myself. You know, I grew up actually in southern Oregon. My dad was a fisherman uh, for years. He fished on the uh, North Umpqua River. And I remember hopping the rocks and watching him uh, get a hold of a steelhead or or a salmon. And, you know, it was incredible. You know, sometimes he would uh, get a steelhead on and it would it would carry him 100 feet down downstream. You know, just the fight and and uh, trying to hold on to that fish and bring it in. Myself, I remember specifically when I was in high school, I was on a summer basketball trip that my team had taken all across the state of Oregon. And uh, my coach had a brother that lived in uh, northeastern Oregon uh, near the Wallow Mountains, uh, and he had a jet boat operation on the Snake River. And I still remember we got out one day and got on his fishing boat and went sturgeon fishing. And some of you know uh, of sturgeon fish. They're known to be very old fish, prehistoric really, uh, in terms of the way they look. But these fish can live to be 150 years. And there are a lot of these big sturgeon fish in the Snake River. And I still remember we all had a part over the course of about eight hours of bringing a sturgeon in next to the boat. We eventually released it, uh, but each of us had a turn in trying to reel that monster in, and that thing ended up being about eight feet long and was probably 200 pounds. I wow. mean, just a huge fish, and it took everything just to hold on to that reel and that pole and bring that thing in. And so, uh, Shelly, you have a little uh, fishing story just from uh, an experience you had growing up. Yeah, you know, our family was not really an outdoor family because my dad had really bad allergies and still does. So we didn't go camping, we didn't go fishing, hunting, you know, nothing like that. But one year we came out to Colorado for vacation and we were up in Estes Park and they have a place up there that you can go fishing, like you said, in a stocked pond. And so it's it's really easy to catch a fish, but then they cook it, that very same fish that you just caught, they cook it and you eat it right there in their restaurant. So it's really fun. And I remember as a kid, just loving that, like I just caught this fish and now I'm eating it. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of satisfaction uh, in being able to catch your own fish and then actually eat that fish. Uh, of course, uh, sometimes it's nice to leave the cleaning to someone else. Right. <laughs> but uh, we're going to read uh, a story 
really the, the whole passage here, if you want to follow along with us, is John chapter 21, and it's really verses 1 through 19. And just to paint this picture, uh, we won't read the whole passage, but just to paint the picture, you know, Jesus has, uh, has been raised from the dead, and he's actually already appeared to the disciples two other times. So in this passage, Jesus is actually appearing a third time to seven of the original 12 disciples. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because, you know, uh, several, it says in verse 2 of, of chapter 21 of John, several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, uh, Nathaniel, and then the sons of Zebedee, uh, and two other disciples, sons of Zebedee being James and John. I find it interesting that, uh, you know, you've got Peter who denied Jesus three times, you know, uh, right before Jesus was crucified, denied even knowing who he was. You've got Thomas the doubter who, uh, you know, was was doubting uh, that, that Jesus had shown up the first time. He had actually missed, missed out on that appearance uh, after Jesus' resurrection and said he wouldn't believe unless he could actually put his hands uh, and fingers in the nail holes of Jesus' hands. You got Nathaniel, who actually, in a sarcastic way, said, can anything good come out of Nazareth re regarding Jesus? Yeah. And then you got James and John, fishermen, who at one time were arguing over who would have the greatest position in heaven. <laughs> so, um, interesting that five of these guys, uh, they, they all sort of had their infamous incidents with Jesus. Yeah, that is an interesting group there together. And, you know, I find it interesting that in verse 3, Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. <laughs> That's yeah. where the title of this podcast comes from, Gone Fishing. He returned to his comfort zone. And, you know, he was a fisherman. His partners were actually James and John before, you know, Jesus called them into ministry. But, you know, he returned to what he knew well, and he even brought others with him. Um, he was always a leader, and he always had that leadership quality because right then afterwards, you know, they said, we'll come too. And they all went to the boat, um, but they caught nothing all night. Yeah. And again, you know, it's almost like many of us do have these plan Bs, you know, in our lives. These things we fall back on, you know, if this uh, this Jesus adventure doesn't happen to work out. And, you know, as Shelley mentioned, it says they caught nothing all night. And, and it recalls the story in Luke chapter 5, which was one of uh, the first experiences Peter had with Jesus. Right. Jesus, uh, Peter landed Jesus, uh, his boat, you know, to stand in and preach from. And then eventually Jesus said, hey, why don't you let, uh, take the boat out further into deeper water and let down your nets? And, of course, Peter was a bit reluctant. You know, Peter's really the uh, the pro here. You know, he's the pro fisherman. Right. He's the you know, professional. And, 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 and no offense, uh, Rabbi. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> I kind of know what I'm doing here. I, I know you also had your background in carpentry, not necessarily fishing. <laughs> and so, and yet it says Peter, Peter still said, but if you say so, Lord, I will. I'll go ahead and let down the nets, even though we caught nothing all night. And of course, in that story, we read of a miraculous catch as well. Yeah, it's really a, a sign of human effort versus 
God's power and the difference that that can make. And then um, at the end of that story, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And it says as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So that was like the marking point of the very beginning of them following Jesus as their rabbi and serving a ministry with him. And so it's interesting that now we're back kind of in a similar scenario. Yeah, it's almost like we've come full circle. Right. And uh, we're back to the, the Sea of Galilee. We're back to <laughs> Peter's boat. Right. One fishing. It's what I know. It's what I've done. It's what I'm good at. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna head back to it and uh, it's comfortable. Let's, and let's see what happens. And you know, interestingly enough, uh, you know, uh, he he had come come away empty-handed that day as well. As well, up until uh, Jesus broke in, which we'll get to here in a second. But uh, that leads us to verse 4 and 5 in John chapter 21, where it says, At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Now, I thought it was interesting that this word fellows actually can be translated as children. Oh, interesting. You know, Jesus was was very affectionate in this way, even calling his his disciples little children and little ones and um, young men or, you know, who, who knows exactly what he was getting at. But what we do see is that there are even other instances where Jesus talked to people as, as if um, they were his own children. Hmm. You know, it was just an affectionate term. And so and then verse 6, it says, Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and listen to this, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Wow. Interesting. You know, again, you know, this Jesus is good for business. <laughs> We got to yeah, take this guy along every that's time. That's a good point. <laughs> but I think in the deeper truth, we see that yes, uh, in a in a physical sense, Jesus grew up a carpenter's son. He became what was known as a as a well known rabbi in the area. And yet, here this is Jesus, the Son of God, the Creator. We read in numerous instances that Jesus was the Creator of the Trinity. You know, everything went through him. He created everything. He had full reign. It's like his father gave him full reign. You create whatever you want, Jesus. You have my blessing. Yeah. And Jesus created those fish. He created the Sea of Galilee. He knows exactly where each one of those fish are. Who needs a a radar, you know, a a (laughs) position like many boats today have to know where the fish are? Uh, of course, that's that's sort of a cheating way. Uh, that's just an aside, but uh, all that gadgetry makes fishing pretty easy, <laughs> right? You know, you just kind of go where the sonar tells you to go, where the, where the fish are. But um, again, yeah, this Jesus is good for business. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's just that Jesus is able to do miracles. And something I've been thinking about lately 
my friend Shay Bynes, she is the founder of Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur. She says, you know, do you believe that God is both willing and able to do miracles in your business? And she's specifically talking about business, but what about in your marriage? What about in your life? What about in your finances? Do you believe that God is both willing and able to do a miracle? You know, he is able, but do we really believe that he is willing to do it for us? And something God was speaking to me about today is, you know, Shelly, you are worthy to receive all of my blessings. You know, we are worthy to receive all of God's blessings, whatever they are. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I feel like, oh, but I'm I'm not worthy of that or I'm not good enough or this or that. But, you know, he is able to do miracles and he wants to be revealed to people in that way. Yeah. You know, moving on to verse 7, it says, uh, Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And, of course, there must have just been a lot of excitement in his voice. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, it says he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. Now, I don't believe he was stripped down naked. I just think he was basically in his skivvies, uh, his underwear, <laughs> and um, getting comfortable for work. He jumped into the water and headed to shore. Now, I want you to picture this. This is a picture of desperation. He couldn't wait for the boat to get to shore. Now, the others were going to stay, as, as verse 8 says, the others were going to stay with that fine catch of fish. They and, weren't letting and, and, that catch get away. <laughs> and they were going to bring that one all the way in. But um, this is a picture of, you know, that each of us can ask ourselves, you know, how desperate are we for the Lord? Um when you hear that call, uh, how desperate are you to answer? You know, this is this is an example of of Peter essentially. Now you can just sense all the emotion that must have been in Peter. I mean, this is a guy that denied he even knew Jesus three times when Jesus was at his uh, <clears throat> lowest point in terms of about ready to go to the cross and going through trial and. Three different times, Peter was basically like, I don't even know the guy, so leave me alone. Three emphatic times. And of course, Jesus had even predicted Peter's denial. And Peter had vehemently said, uh, oh, I, I would never deny you. And yet it just goes to show that every one of us are capable of not only denying Jesus, but flat out uh, sinning against him. And willfully even. How many times have we willfully sinned against our Lord where we knew we were doing something that wasn't right, and yet he, he comes back to us. He's yeah. right there. He's waiting to restore us just as, as in this instance. In verse, uh, verse 9, we see that... Uh, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. You getting hungry, Shelly? Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. So so now we see Jesus the chef. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's got a meal already prepared. Now, I don't know where he got the fish. Uh, 
he could have just said, come little ones to the shore and, and grabbed them and said, you're going to be lunch you know, today. Or he might have actually thrown out a, a line himself. I'm not sure. But um, <clears throat> I still remember uh, an instance, and you, were, you might remember this, Shelley, when we were on a little hike in a, a very special place in Oregon called Fish Lake. And my dad was with us. And uh, it's about a mile and a half hike in. And so you go in there, and then you're just, you know, met with this beautiful high high lake that's probably 3,500 to 4,000 feet up in elevation. And I remember uh, my dad caught uh, one of the rainbow trout that are in the lake. And then he took the fish, wrapped it in tinfoil, and uh, put it in a fire that he had made. He basically put it in the rocks and, and allowed the fish to cook inside the tinfoil. And I still yeah. remember when he opened that thing up uh, 10, 15 minutes later, and that meat was cooked, and it just pulled right off the bone. I mean, you didn't even need to clean it. It just pulled right off and uh, was delicious. I mean, we didn't even put any seasoning or anything on there. But um, I can just picture Jesus, you know, cooking that fish uh, with the charcoal and and uh, of course, Jesus is the bread of life, and so right. He feeds us in more ways than one. But um, we read in verses ten and eleven that there are one hundred and fifty-three of these large fish caught. And I did a little research, and scholars agree that the type of fish that must have been caught was something called a musht, M-U-S-H-T. Now I don't know if it's musht or musht. But uh, they were about 15 inches long. You can still find them today in the Sea of Galilee. And they're about three pounds each. Wow. And so uh, they were known, and they still are today, as a tasty fish with very few bones. And uh, here it says that Peter basically pulled this catch by himself. Here it says in verse... uh, Yeah, bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus is asking the guys. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the the net hadn't torn. Note, unlike the first time back in Luke uh, chapter 5, the net was tearing at that point. But uh, I don't know if they had a heavy-duty net or if that was just a supernatural uh, thing that Jesus allowed the net to, to not tear. But I thought that was interesting. I mean, Peter must have actually been pulling 450 pounds of fish and the weight of the net on top of that. Wow. Now, th- these were heavy nets. And uh, and so just interesting. I think that's one of the reasons we kind of almost picture Peter as sort of this burly guy. You right. know, burly guy, <laughs> said whatever he thought, uh, didn't hold back, just... Uh, basically went along with whatever and uh you know here's peter uh pulling that fish in he probably had some adrenaline too just knowing that it was jesus you know some adrenaline coursing through him and they say sometimes when you have adrenaline you can do things that you couldn't normally do like a mom trying to save her child could lift a car that she normally couldn't lift because she has that surge of adrenaline but it, yeah, it would have been interesting, like, to know what was going through his mind, you know, seeing Jesus. Mm, yeah. I think another thing we can note here, guys, is that um, 
this shows that Jesus can actually bless any part of our lives. You know, he can allow our businesses or um, our, our talents to thrive in ways that we couldn't ourselves. When Jesus comes into the picture and he chooses to bless whatever you're doing, whether it's fishing, whether it's your art, whether it's your music, whether it's your uh, job as an accountant in your business, uh, whether you're a professional basketball player, whatever it may be, Jesus is able to bless that part of your life and allow you to be a testimony. I mean, look at this. This catch was written about for millions upon millions upon millions of people to read about through the centuries. Jesus is receiving the glory. He is receiving the, the, the honor. Imagine what could happen when Jesus chooses to bless an area of your life as, uh, as you allow him, as you turn your talents over to him. So interesting note there. And then verse 13, um, then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. You know, just a, a quick note that Jesus was serving them as he washed their feet before he went to the cross, and he's serving them again, mm. you know, so in a way that uh, is, is humble. And yeah. I think that we can all learn a lesson there and to say none of us, if our Lord was serving in those ways. None of us is uh, beyond that. Right. And then verses 15 through 17, we see this whole restoration of Peter where three different times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? You have uh, a couple thoughts on that, uh, I believe, Shelley, just regarding the, the type of love that was. Yeah, so it's interesting. If you look in the actual Greek, um, the first instance where Jesus says in verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? It's agape love. Well, Peter replies, you know I love you, which is phileo love. So agape love is like unconditional love from God. <laughs> mm. Phileo love is brotherly friendship love. And then um, he asks, Jesus asks the question again, and he says, do you love me? And that's agape again, unconditional love. And Peter replies, you know I love you, phileo love. And then the third time, Jesus comes down to Simon's level, Simon Peter's level, and he says, do you love me? And that time, it's phileo love. And again, Peter replies, you know that I love you, phileo. And so it's just interesting because... You know, you have these different types of love and, you know, Jesus keeps asking and finally, you know, it's like he comes to Peter's level and, you know, he accepts Peter where he's at, where he's at right now. He, he doesn't expect us to just, you know, do all of these things, you know, that, you know, and be these things that we're not. He comes to our level many times and he wants to see us um, healed and restored. And this was a very pivotal time for Peter personally to be restored because it was three times he denied Christ and then three times that the Lord asked him, do you love me? And so it was almost like matching, you know, those three denials that he had before. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus set this whole thing up. I mean, here he's on the beach. He's waiting for the guys. Um, he, he set the whole thing up 
with the express purpose really here of restoring Peter. How low had Peter uh, must have felt after the experience of denying he even knew Jesus? I had so much regret and grief. You know, oh. you, you know, just the grieving of what happens when you know you've made a mistake. Yeah. You know you've done something wrong. And I, I know we all feel that. Yeah. You know, I personally have dealt in the past with a pornography addiction. And so there were years that I walked around with like deep, shame and regret and i had to really learn to fully accept christ's forgiveness but then also forgive myself and i almost feel like that was kind of a point for peter in this passage like he probably was carrying around this huge amount of regret and shame and just like feeling the weight of it and it was like in one encounter with jesus jesus is able to lift that from him yeah, it was almost as if, uh, you know, Jesus was was allowing Peter to experience um, a truth of what he had said in a previous teaching where Jesus said, you know, uh, take my yoke upon you, uh, for my, my, uh, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it was as if he was lightening Peter's load in that one experience of restoration over some fish and bread, which, by the way, you know, a lot of great things can happen over a meal. Right. <laughs> but um, finally, we're going to just wrap this up. And in verse 18, uh, Jesus actually tells Peter, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked, dress yourself, and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old... You will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. And many historians uh, hold, in terms of tradition, that Peter was uh, martyred by being crucified upside down. Why upside down? Well, again, tradition holds that Peter didn't actually feel worthy to be executed in the exact same way that his Lord was executed and so he requested please just turn me upside down um, and then finally in verse 19 the last verse of our passage here today Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God and then Jesus told him finally follow me just like he said the first time on the edge of the of the Sea of Galilee when he told all the disciples, follow me, and they left everything to follow him. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And they left everything and followed Jesus, according to that passage in Luke. How about you guys? What is Jesus calling you to that seems impossible? You know, Jesus wants to restore you. Whatever you're, you've gone through, whatever you've been through, Jesus is waiting on the beach with a nice meal, ready to break some bread with you and gently say, do you love me? Because I want you to follow me. I want to restore you. I know what you've done is shameful. I know what you've done is regretful. I know you have remorse. My goodness, I mean, I've, I've lived in that 
with a lot of my years. Just regret, um, shame. You know, I also delved into pornography, as Shelley mentioned, you know, for several years. Just a lot of shame, you know, involved in those things. And, you know, just uh, even shame over things that I, I know I probably should have done and I didn't, you know, some of those sins of omission not being obedient to maybe things God's called me to do at various times. And yet here Jesus sits on the beach saying, I want to restore you. So how about you, friend? I want to encourage you just to allow Jesus to restore you. Have that conversation with him. Pour your heart out, but let him also minister to you as you soak in his word, as you soak in whatever he wants to give you. Yeah. And I just want to close in prayer for each one of you. And, you know, this could really be bringing up some things from your past, but God is able to take whatever is there and to restore it and um, to just affirm his love for you mm-hmm. and that he has a plan and a purpose for you. It's like Peter went back to what, what he knew to do, but Jesus once again said, no, Peter, there is more for you come follow me. What is the more in your life? So let me just pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your your word that um, does not go out and return void, but accomplishes everything that you have for it. So we know that your word just went out in this episode, and we pray that um, your Holy Spirit would just touch each heart and each mind and just... Um, and just impact lives. Lord, I just pray for each person that's listening that um, you would bring just a restoration in their life, whether it's something small or something big that they're carrying right now. Um, If there's any regret or any burden, any shame, Lord, we just pray that you would come and you would speak gently to them and you would um, restore them. And Lord, we just pray that they would seek your forgiveness and fully receive your forgiveness for everything that they have done that, you know, we are new creations. The old has gone. The new has come when we are in Christ. So I just pray, Lord, that we would be willing to leave those comfort zones, to leave the things that are easy and comfortable and Be willing to follow you. Be willing to come after you and do what you've called us uniquely to do for your kingdom. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you are in the the business of working miracles. Even today, Lord, you still work miracles. So we just ask that you would work miracles in our lives, in our businesses, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our finances. And, Lord, that it would be all to glorify you. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If this episode has whet your appetite to read God's word, we have a free gift for you. Download CJ's ebook, Fuel for the Soul, for free at illuminateshow.com. And if this podcast has encouraged you in any way, could you leave us a review on iTunes? This helps others like you find the podcast and it just encourages us. Let's live illuminated lives. This is the Illuminate Podcast.